Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Bungler Cricket Podcast. It's a collaboration episode with the Murali End Podcast, uh, a collab episode, if you were, that doesn't really work. Uh, joining me from the Murali End is Mark Machado. Mark, hello and welcome back to the podcast. Hello, uh, thanks for having me back. This is our kind of, is it annual or is it every six monthly get together to talk about the series between our two great cricketing nations, right? It does feel like an annual uh, episode, basically, where you and I will get together, go, things are a bit bad, aren't they? And then go, hey, we're going to play each other again. Um, and this time we are we are coming together to talk about um, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka in a two-test series. Um, these are contributing towards the uh, World Test Championship, which, if I'm honest, neither team are going to win, but let's let's play for points anyhow. And uh, there are two test matches uh, in Chottagram and Dhaka. Um, and yeah, this is, this is uh, for me, an interesting series because when we've done this conversation in the past, we've both gone, both teams hate playing test cricket and why are we doing this series? And I'd rather these be T20s or something. I feel slightly better about where Bangladesh are as a test team. And that is a weird thing to say off the back of being hammered in South Africa and being bowled out for scores of like, what, 50-odd or something, or whatever it was, in, in 19 overs. I, I feel a slight renewed excitement for Bangladesh under Momadul Huck and with this new kind of younger lineup, you know, this kind of the, 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 the Mamadul Hassan Joys, et cetera, the Nazmul Hussain Shantos, these young batsmen kind of forming what I think is going to be the next generation of test cricket. So for me, I I'm, I wouldn't say I was overwhelmed and really thrilled that we're doing a two-test series with no other format, but I feel better than I have done in the past. I mean, where, where do you stand with Sri Lanka at the moment? The test side for Sri Lanka has changed quite dramatically in the last year, as in what's changed is that it feels like now there's basically, if you play red ball cricket, you're not going to play white ball cricket and, and vice versa. Uh, the best example of this is obviously, and and he's fresh in my mind because he's absolutely killing it for RCB, is Wanadu Hasaranga, who's been tearing it up in the IPL. I think he's currently got, at the time of recording at least, he's the purple cap holder. Um, but I don't think we'll ever see, or may, it won't happen for, for a few years at least, us seeing um, Hasaranga playing test cricket again. Um, they're, they're kind of giving it to like the older members of, of Sri Lanka's cricketing fraternity. So people like Angelo Matthews have been brought back in. Uh, Dick Waller, who actually might end up playing white ball cricket at some point again. Uh, Dan Ajay De Silva, whose white ball career at this stage looks like it might be done. And of course, we're captained by uh, uh, Dimrith Karuna Ratney, who's who's just come fresh off a little cameo for Yorkshire. Um, and to top it all off, I mean, like, I think Schmuck had a quite a decent test, test year last year. Um, and to top, I think the only series we lost was against England, actually. Was it? Possibly. Um, and, and we beat we beat the West Indies when they were over in December, and uh, we've now got a new a new uh, coach slash manager whatever you want to call them, where uh, Mickey Arthur's left and um, Chris Silverwood, um, obviously after his glorious Ashes, uh, leading England's um, horrendous defeat to to Australia, has been given the Shrunker job. And actually, do you know what? At first, when I thought about it, I was like, I'm not sure if he's a good fit. But then I was like, what do we know about Chris Silverwood? He's quite laid back. Sri Lankans are quite laid mm. back. So maybe it might work. Who knows? It's an interesting one for Bangladesh as well. I mean, off the back of the, the South Africa series, where I'd say for the first, we two test matches, the first three days could have gone either way. You know, the first innings, I think there was a deficit of 70 runs. We then bowled South Africa out for 204. And actually it was 
So this is chaseable. Bowled out for 53 and 19 overs. Second test match didn't really get started. And, and the entire time we were basically outdone by left arm spin. And it was like, ha- hang on a second. This is Bangladesh who for years have tormented touring teams with left arm spin. We used to play three left arm spinners at one point. And then there we were acting like we'd never seen it before. And so it does feel like highs and lows of Bangladesh cricket. Obviously the win in, in New Zealand earlier this uh, earlier this year felt like a really big turning point with Momenal Huck leading this excellent young team. Um, and then the South Africa series felt like a step back a little bit. Uh, and people are like, what's went wrong? What, what do we have on the street? And it's like, well, you know, it was just a, like them playing badly for no particular reason. It's not, they, they know what they need to do to fix it. And um, for me, the kind of unrest that comes when there's no real thing to solve is the kind of witch hunt. And, you know, everyone's going after Mushfiq Rahim for playing a reverse sweep. It's like one shot did not lose the match. There were 20 wickets up for grabs and uh, uh, 10 other batsmen playing th- those games. People go off to Momenal Huck and they go, wow, I should be captain. And for me, it's like, what? who else is going to captain that side? Because Mushfiq doesn't want to do it. He's given up wicket-keeping so he can focus on batting. Litton Dars isn't ready. Tamim doesn't want it. Shaki sort of low-key wants to retire from the format. Who else is going to captain that test side? I already think Momenal Huck has one of the toughest jobs in test cricket, right? He sits around for, let's be honest, 300 days a year. Then he gets the test team who have either had a bad T20 World Cup or has played one-day series picks them up and then goes into the, the, the purest form of cricket, probably the most difficult form of cricket. I think there's no one better to, to, to lead that team. And same goes for our coach, Russell Domingo. There's been lots of rumours about unrest between him and the, the senior players. Who else are you going to get in? Bangladesh always go for an Australian, English, South African coach. Who at the moment in world cricket are you going to sign on a 200-day contract who's going to give up their family and friends and go and work in Bangladesh 200 days a year when they can make the same money in six weeks in the IPL? It's right, just I, witch hunting. No, 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 right. I've come to this conclusion because I watched Sri Lanka toil for about three months. Was it, it felt like an eternity. I, I'm going to say around three months trying to get a coach in place, right? I think that Bangladesh job is actually quite a coveted role in, in world cricket because I think the, the pay, from what I gather, is, is pretty competitive. The BCB have money. That's, that's one thing they have. But they still, yeah. they, can't, they can't attract the talent. It's hard. It is really hard. And then people tend to want to go and do other things. But the, but there's a lot of people who've now come through that Bangladesh system, right? Who've come through and gone on and graduated to other jobs. So I think if you're a young coach, I, I suppose this is the problem for both Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. They, uh, you know, they're not places where coaches want to stay for a long period of time necessarily. And they want to use it as a stepping stone. But I think Bangladesh have proved over the last kind of decade or so that actually it's a, it's a better place for better coaches to work because they're not going to just sack you on a whim like they might do in Sri Lanka. So, and, and you probably get paid better than you would do in Sri Lanka. Do, do you know who I miss? And maybe you'll, you'll share this sentiment. I miss Dad Watmore. I miss, miss watching him standing on the, the balcony of the pavilion, his big walrus moustache smirking as Bangladesh put on a 100-run wicket. I miss those days so much. Oh, mate. Well, like, obviously, he's the national hero in Sri Lanka, right? <laughs> yeah, of course he is. What? <laughs> yeah. He could probably, if he wanted to, he could probably become president next week. Um, <laughs> he'd, get, he'd, get, he'd probably get the vote. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, you know, he, he's probably one of the most underrated characters in world cricket when you consider what he's done and the way he's, he effectively kind of was so instrumental in building two uh, nations from kind of being, I suppose, coming out of being what would now be called associate nations into being fully fledged test cricketing countries with, with good systems underneath it. Um, in in one of the issues that 
people have talked about quite extensively around shrunken cricket in the last few years is the lack of kind of first class cricket. Um, is is that an issue in 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 Bangladesh? Because you talked about you know players sitting around for three hundred days a year and just having to come out and, and suddenly play the the longest most exhilarating format of the game. Is that something that you know? Do, do they is that replicating the domestic game as well? Do they have a lot of domestic four day cricket or there is domestic four day cricket, but it's 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 nicknamed by local journalists as picnic cricket. And I think the gap between first-class cricket in Bangladesh and the national side is huge. But I think the kind of the gap between the two is huge. And actually, where Bangladesh as a national side look to is their under-19s, their high performance, their A A sides. And I think that is seen as a kind of more credible and respectable route into the national side than a, a player sort of coming through straight into kind of the test side from the first-class cricket. I mean, don't get me wrong, it does happen. But for me, it's it's far and far between, I think. And I think the academy sides, the under-19s, high performances are, are, are kind of probably more, I'd say there's more of a, a turnaround uh, in those kind of channels than there are directly from a player averaging 40 in domestic first-class cricket. And that's a shame, but it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a source of frustration for journalists, fans uh, and coaches alike, I think. It's that, that problem seems to be all around the world though, right? Because if you look at the conversations that, uh, people are having in England they're talking about you know there's a lot of uh, talk about reform of the county game in some way be it you know whether it's KP's franchise county idea or, or just cutting down the number of counties um, for the record I'm with the Rhino guy I, could you imagine like a, a, fr- <laughs> a franchise test um, full day tournament I just want to see how it would look um, but it seems to be an issue that I suppose everywhere apart from maybe like India and Pakistan it is something that people talk about, right? Where there's the quality in the first class game is not there to prepare people for for international cricket. The quality of it undermines reputable performances. If you hear someone's done a double century in a first class game in Bangladesh, it's like, well, you know, who was he facing? Was the umpiring all right? What was the pitch condition? You know, and it, you can almost kind of, and it's a bad thing to do because great performances should always be celebrated, but you can almost kind of just overlook great performances because you're going to go, well, it was only, you know, it was only in in, 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 in first-class cricket in Bangladesh. Um, let's talk about the test matches then. And I guess the first question which I should ask is, with everything that's going on in Sri Lanka at the moment, are these test matches coming at a time where, you know, in the way that cricket and COVID gave people the distraction, a bit of respite, a kind of, it was sort of something different and refreshing to the kind of day-to-day sadness of what was happening. Is that true for the Sri Lankan cricket side tour in Bangladesh at the moment, or is it inappropriate, I guess? So, I'll, I'll, before I answer that question, I'll just do a quick recap of what's going on in Sri Lanka, in case you don't know. Effectively, the economy has collapsed. Inflation is out of control. Um, the, the country has run out of foreign currency. So, the, the last time I looked, I haven't looked in a while because it's, it's a bit depressing, but basically, at the beginning of February you would have got 200 rupees to a pound and now you'd get quite close to 400. Um, if not, probably more than that now, actually. As I said, I haven't checked in a while. There's been mass protests across the country calling for a change of, of government. There's been a movement where that this movement has been supported by basically all Sri Lankans, all, uh, wherever they are in the world. So I myself have been protesting outside the High Commission and outside House of Parliament in London. Um, a lot of the, um, the there's been moments where kind of government back 
or supporters of the government or you know police or you know people who are on the government payroll have gotten have made the protest violent almost all the Sri Lankan cricketers you would have heard of are back in the protesters and saying the government's got to change and go and they've all been quite vocal about this on on their socials all from Sanjay Surya to, to you know to all the all the younger people all the kind of current crop as well earlier this week so we're talking on the Friday before the first test the prime minister who's the president's brother stepped down and has been replaced the person who's been replaced with is a former prime minister as well so there's a, you know a lot of the protesters are generally not quite happy about this going into two test matches in a, in a series and then kind of off the back of that should come back and Australia coming to should be an SL it's and I was thinking about this when I came on it's, I find it pretty weird that I'm going to be tweeting about how well our bowlers and batsmen are doing in two days time knowing that there's plenty of people in Shrunka in a much more desperate situation than they were two months ago or three months ago and I'll be honest I just don't know what it's how, how it's all going to play out whether I think it's good in a way that the when Sri Lanka cricket returns to playing cricket this weekend, that it's outside the country and that at least for the players, at least they can focus, it'll be easier for them to focus on the job in hand. In the next series, as I said, especially having Australia over there, where which is, you know, for Sri Lanka, we consider it quite an intense rivalry. I'm not sure what Australia do anymore. Um, it'll be interesting to see the response of the people with, with Australia over there. Um, I, I think with all of this, with the protests, I think kind of national, a feeling of, of being patriotic, I don't want to say nationalism because the current government is, is a nationalist government, but the, the idea of being patriotic and being a proud shrunken is something that's on, on people's minds at the moment. And I'm, I'm just, I, I just don't know how it's going to translate to how much, you know, to, to, to how the shrunken public see it again. You know, this is one of the flaws with me trying to cover shrunken cricket, me and based in London. You you really should speak to something clever. I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but that's kind of the thing. It's an it. honest answer. And, and, and I fully respect that because, um, you know, it is a morally difficult one because, you know, we talk about the separation of sports and politics a lot. And the we, we all want a situation where the two are separate. And on one hand, you can go Sri Lanka staying true to their commitment, sending out sports teams, carrying on as normal is in some senses, probably the right thing to do, because then there's a clear separation between politics and sport. And, you know, that's something we always we always crave. But at the same time, the people they're representing, the team, you know, their supporters, the people they're playing for, are also the very ones in the midst of the other situation. It is different from during, say, COVID, during the pandemic, which was awful, where sport seemed like a respite. Like, yeah, you were stuck at home, but you had a sense of normality because of the cricket. And it is entirely different from that. And I, I, you know, I guess being the most optimistic as I can, I hope that if you're, you know, a teenager in Sri Lanka right now and you can put the TV on next week and watch the cricket, it may be for a moment just provides a bit of a distraction. That's, I guess, the best you can hope for and the best you can ask for. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make the situation any, any more easier um, because, you know, this is, well, this is pe- real lives and real people, you know, and a country being on the verge of, bankrupt is like you know i can't even comprehend it you know i'm not even going to try to so, comprehend so effectively it. the country's bankrupt there is they've run out of fuel petrol gas anything that keeps the the lights on there is long power cuts during the day 
So I was talking to somebody and we were talking about cricket out there, one of my relatives, and he was just like, oh, I, I miss, I think it was Roger, Barnaka Roger Pucks playing for, for the Punjab Kings because they were in the power cut. <laughs> like, so it's, I think it's, it's like, you, you might have sympathy with this as well because you obviously are someone of Bangladeshi background who lives in, in the UK. Like, because sometimes I think, I, I've spent quite a bit of time in Sri Lanka over the years. I haven't spent time there recently, but I think this is the moment when I, I find it really difficult to, I, to I, I obviously, you know, I want the best for Sri Lanka, but I don't realistically, if I'm going to put my hand on my heart and say, I don't really know what it's like to live there full time. I don't know what it's like to push people to, to be able to go out and protest. I don't know what, you know, I, I, I possibly this is the same for you. My main connection to Sri Lanka is through the cricket, right? It, it's through the cricket. Team. Yeah, yeah. That's how I kind of you know culturally I'm, I'm connected. To yeah, it. that's that's the big part of the heritage and culture that kind of yeah lives strongly in the UK. Yeah, yeah. But if if you're a Sri Lanka living in Sri Lanka, the cricket team is just one part of what it is to be Sri Lankan, right? It's something sure. you're probably proud of, but there is so much more to it. Um, it's I th- I find that it's it's a yeah, I just don't know how it's all going to land. I don't think anyone knows how it's going to land. The other thing I, I should say is that, you know, Sri Lanka won a World Cup during a civil war. <laughs> like, you know, mm. the, the civil war went from 83 to 2009. It was, a, you know, they played a lot of cricket then and people were able to watch it and celebrate it and get involved in it. And that's kind of, you know, the, when our cricket culture really matured was during yeah. that period anyway. Um, so, mate, you know, a lot, a lot of the times when... You know, I've had conversations with relatives out there or actually I've, I've had conversations with people, with British people in Britain. And we've talked like after the Easter bombings, it's like, oh, well, how, you know, how do you pick, pick yourselves up as a country and get on with it? And I'm like, to be honest, in a way, Sri Lanka's used to kind of tragedy. They used, you know, they had a civil war, they had a tsunami. These things happen to these out there. The Sri Lankans are, are quite resilient. It'd be, it'd be fascinating to see how the series lands in, in Sri Lanka. Uh, and whether sport will, you know, provide provide a respite, and I and I hope it does kind of provide a respite to to you know, to to the, the sort of Sri Lankan fans out in, in Sri Lanka. Um, how do you think it's going to play out on the pitch? There, do, do you know, for Bangladesh's perspective, um, we are without Mehdi Hassan Miraz. He's got a finger injury. Shakib, oh, there's always a Shakib side sideshow. By the way, there's always a sideshow. Um, he tested. Ne- positive for COVID and now has tested negative. Um, but then they're not sure if he's fully fit. So he may or may not play in the first test. In the press conference um, that David Kinnarantli did earlier today, one of the journalists, I can't remember who it was, asked, how do you prepare for this situation? Because every day it's, it's unclear if he's going to play or not and whether he's made himself available. Um, <laughs> which I thought was just a funny way to, I assume, a Bangladeshi journalist have a dig at him. But there you go. Right. Yeah, it's, um, it's a fascinating one. We, we, we're at a stage now where we've got several of our senior players who keep hinting at stuff. You know, something takes long breaks from T20 cricket. Uh, Mr. Vizar Rahman has gone, I'm not sure if I play test anymore. Shaki keeps taking absence of leave and all sorts of bits and pieces, you know. And I, I like, I don't know, I feel like there's a kind of a fear of being seen to not want to play test cricket because uh, it's the purest form. And it's like, I think Shaki wants to retire from test cricket. And I, I think for whatever reason, he feels like he can't quite do it because of the, the potential kind of fallout from it or the clapback from it. And so he, he's, 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hinting almost a conspiracy theory here, but he, you know, he takes leave of absences. He has injuries. He very nearly wasn't going to play in this series uh, or, the, or the first match of this series. I, 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 in my head, I think Shaki should just retire from Test cricket and doesn't want to play anymore. Really simple as that. I, obviously, as a Bangladesh fan, you want to see him in the Test side. You're, of course, you're a stronger team for him in the Test side. But I think if he doesn't want to play it, just, just retire from the format and focus on T20s and focus on one dayers. But, oh, you know, what do I know? It's a difficult one, isn't it? <laughs> Here's what my fear is, basically. Over the next few years, some of our greatest players are going to come to the end of their careers. And I want them to go out in a beautiful, respectful, guard of honour fashion. And what I'm worried about is there'll just be an awkward back and forth. They won't retire. They'll get dropped. They might not you know, play. They might fall out with the board and they'll just disappear and it'll be messy. I want Shakib to go, right, I'm retiring from, from test cricket. This will be my last test. I want it to be a home match. I want it to get a garden of honour as he walks off, uh, you know, in Mirapur. That's what I want. And yeah, I think, I, you know, I, I just think, the other, yeah, the other thing is, is it feeds back to the to the eternal conversation that me and you have about what is the point of Bangladesh and Shrunker even playing Test cricket? <laughs> it is, well, I, it, I, I have a slide. I, I, you know, I we've talked about this a lot, and I, my gripe remains the same. We play Test cricket to remain at the top table. I get that, but. And this is not going to change. I can say it as many times as I want. We need the big teams to come and invest in us and play with us. And that's what bothers me. It's we're test, to, you know, this whole series between Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, I'd have preferred five one day internationals. I know it's part of the West World Test Championships. Respectfully, neither of the sides are going to make the final. So what's the point? You know, yeah. and you can go, oh, no, Bangladesh need to play test cricket. Yes, we do, but we need to be playing with big nations. And that's why I was grateful for this, the South Africa tour. I was grateful for the New Zealand tour, but I need India, Australia, England to follow through with what it means to be a test team and come and host us and come and tour us. And, and like, I can't see that changing to be honest. Um, so yeah, I can, I, I feel like I've, I've had a slightly graduated kind of um, feeling towards it. Like, like a lot of the test cricket we play, I kind of like, well, you know, we, I feel like we're going through the motions to be part of the club, um, but we're not really quite part of the gang yet is how I feel. I think, I think that's it. Right. I think, that if you're an administrator in, in either Sri Lanka or Bangladesh, you kind of got to, you feel that you got to offer test cricket. But I think the frustration from our point of view as fans is that actually there is no hope of Sri Lanka or Bangladesh building a side that will ever win the test, World Test Championship or be ranked number one because we're just not given the, the breaks that you need to. Because realistically, that's a three to five year plan for both countries, right? Where you go mm. from being very competitive at home kind of all right away to smashing everyone home and away and being being feared. And unless you can get those big tools in, it's just not going to happen. Um, let's get your, your predictions then. I mean, two test matches. Um, I mean, we, I should say, we've not, we've not learned a lot about um, how this series might go because the um, the one practice match uh, lasted 18 overs. Estranka got to 50 for one. So um, I'm not sure what we can glean, <laughs> what we can glean from uh, their, their, their practice match. But um, two test matches, how do you think this is going to go? Uh, I'm going to just go all out and say Estranka going to win both of them. Like, really? So, yeah, I do. I do. Um, I mean, Embul Denia, who's our left arm spinner, has caused a lot of problems for a lot of batsmen the last kind of 18 months or so, or since cricket restarted from COVID. And they only exclusively let him play test cricket for some reason. And I think he might really cherish these pitches in, in Bangladesh. 
Yeah, um, well, it was um, it was it was two. Well, it was left arm spinners that undone us in in South Africa. So, yeah. um, you'd hope Bangladesh have uh, have uh, come up with a plan. So, okay, so you're going to North Sri Lanka. I'm going to be slightly more optimistic for Bangladesh. I'm going to say I I I I'd say one all. Yeah, I see one all. I I can see one of these. T- I could I can see Bangladesh winning one of these. I can see a potential draw, but let's catch up at the end of this series and see which way it's gone. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And thank you for listening to the Bangla Cricket Podcast. We'll catch you very soon.